Good morning. I'll be back in just a second. No, it's not for me. I usually don't use props, but today I felt led to do it. That chair represents the presence of God. And a question that I want to ask all of us at the very beginning of this message is, do you see God? That's what Paul wants to talk to the Corinthians about, is being able to see God. He's here. We know he's here. He said he would be here amongst us, but do we see him? Do we see him? By way of introduction, a couple days ago I was traveling around the valley and I saw a a bulletin board for a local church here and it said something like this, come to our church, it's church the way you want it to be. And I thought to myself as I read that, it's like, that's not right. We're, We're the body of Christ and we're his church, shouldn't the question be finding out how God wants to do church. (laughs) Shouldn't church be the way God wants it and not the way we want it? So I want you to even think this morning in this message, if God is here, if, if you had the opportunity to sit down in a leisurely fashion across the table from Jesus and you could interview him, And you would ask him the question, Jesus, what do you desire for me? What do you desire for your church? Instead of me coming at, this is what I'd like, or this is what we would like, God, what what about you? What's your desires for us? What's your will for us? And that's exactly what Paul wants to talk to us about in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. In the first three verses, Paul is saying to us this. And by the way, I'm not going to hit everything throughout this chapter. I'm only going to zero in on the things that deal with the Holy Spirit today and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, because that's the series we're in. But hold on, after we get done our series on the Holy Spirit, I'm actually coming back to 2 Corinthians, and we're going to go through the book of 2 Corinthians looking at how to be an effective servant of God. Because that's what the book of 2 Corinthians is all about. And we'll hit some of the things that we sort of skip over intentionally today. So if you're wondering, well, why didn't you talk about that? Hang in there with me a couple months. We'll talk about it, okay? The first thing I want us to note is this. Paul is saying... If we were to ask God, God, what's your desire for me personally? What's your desire for us corporately? It would be God saying this. I want to do a significant, substantial work in your life. I don't want anything shallow and superficial. And when you think about that, you think about, wow, how often do we individually and even we as churches 
We're all about the shallow and the superficial. And we wonder why maybe we're not connecting with God, why we're not seeing God, why we're not being changed by God. It's because we're not allowing God to go deep enough. We're not allowing God to go as deep as God wants to go. And you'll notice in the first three verses of 2 Corinthians 3, Paul says this, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? We don't need letters of recommendation to you or from you as some other people do, do we? You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. Then in verse 3, receiving, or excuse me, revealing that you are a letter, a statement of Christ delivered by us, but notice, written, engraved, not with ink, but by the Spirit, the invisible hand of the living God, not on stone tablets, but on tablets of human hearts. Paul saying, You want to know what God wants to do? He wants to write something on our heart. He literally wants to engrave something, imprint something, mark something. You could even use the word tattoo something on our heart at the very deepest level of our being. The heart being the wellspring of our entire life is what everything flows from. And Paul is saying, God is not interested anymore in carving something on a tablet. (laughs) No, he wants to write it on our heart. And, And his agent for doing that is the invisible hand of the Holy Spirit. So Paul's saying, that's why we've got to allow God to go deep. That's why we've got to allow God to go deep. And, and, and get away from being uh, satisfied and, and settling for the shallow, superficial Christianity that we see so often today in our churches and even manifested in our own life where we're satisfied with just a little and we never let God really get down as deep as He wants to, carving something on our heart. That's why... I, You know, Nicole and I have talked about this, and I I loved what she said there at the end today about, you know, let's not be in a hurry. Let's not rush. Because if God wants to do something significant and substantial in our lives, it can't be rushed. It can't be hurried. Which, again, just totally goes against, again, what a lot of our modern-day Christianity is, where, you know, like Sunday morning, even that hour, hour and a half, whatever, that's just a box that we check off. We just sort of come in, uh, you know... We're like thinking about the next thing and getting to the next thing. And so, you know, the worship leader, you know, get through your set of worship and then pastor, don't take too long in the message and whatever, because I've got other things to do. I got other things on my mind. And it's almost like, God, I'm going to give you this little bit of time, whatever you need to do, do it there. And then I'm off to something else. And then we wonder why we never really see God. It's because we're always in a hurry to get to the next thing and we never spend enough time with God or allow God in the time that we have to really do something significant and substantial. It's sort of like drive-through, which you've heard those churches are popping up, the drive-through church, where we just drive through, get our little fix, and then move on. Paul's saying, no, 
You interview God, you talk to God, you allow his spirit to speak to you. He doesn't want to do anything shallow and superficial. He wants to carve something, engrave something on our hearts. And so that means even here today, a lot of times on Sunday and Wednesday when we meet and whatever, he's not going to do something necessarily significant and substantial in an hour. He can. But most of the time, it's a start of something significant or substantial. Or it's a continuation of something significant or substantial that he's been doing. Or it may be the culmination of something significant and substantial that he's been doing in my life. Because again, if God wants to do something significant and substantial... He's not in any hurry to do it because he wants to go as deep as he possibly can in our being. And so the question today is, do we see God by allowing him to do the significant, substantial thing that he wants to do? Quit trying to play games with God and treat the symptoms of things in our lives and get to the root and allow God to get to the root of things in our lives and right at that heart level. That's the first thing. The second thing is this. Beginning in verse 4, Paul says, Now we have such confidence, limitless confidence in God through Christ. Not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who made us adequate to be servants of a new covenant. By the way, those last couple of verses that we just read... God brought me to my knees with those verses when I was wrestling with him about starting this church over eight years ago. Because if you know me, you know I've struggled with feelings of inadequacy all my life. And so again, I presented the argument to God, God, I can't do that. I'm not adequate enough. And God kept putting me back to these verses saying, I know you're not adequate enough, but I'm going to make you adequate to do my will. So for any of you out there today who are struggling with feelings of inadequacy and you know God is calling you to step up and do something and you feel inadequate, join the club. We all should feel inadequate to what God wants us to do. But God didn't say, I want to get you to a point where you feel inadequate in yourself. God says, trust me to make you adequate in me. Then he goes on to say this. Not based on the letter, but on the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. The second thing God would say if we were to interview Him about the work that He wants to do is not just that He wants to do a significant, substantial work in our life, but He wants to do a powerful work in our life that can only be done by the Holy Spirit. Not by the letter. Speaking of, say, the Old Testament Mosaic Law here. And when the Bible says the letter kills, it means it incapacitates, it deprives, it exhausts us to try to live up to the letter of the law. Because God never gave the letter of the law to be a power in our lives, but to just simply show us where we're off track with him. There was no power in the law. The law was simply given as an x-ray of God or from God to show us what needs to be fixed. And so those that try to live their lives, even Christians, by adhering to a set of rules and regulations, you will only exhaust yourself. 
You will only suck the air out of your life very quickly. Because trying to live up to the letter of the law and, and, and live based on rules and regulations rather than a vibrant relationship through his spirit will literally exhaust you, incapacitate you, and deprive you. That's what the word kills means. But he says when you and I learn to live by the spirit... The Spirit gives us life. It means He empowers us. It means He energizes us. He gives us the power and the strength to be able to do, again, what God calls us to do. And and to live the way God asks us to live. And so again, He's saying, what I want to do is powerful, strengthening, empowering, energizing. Because I'm going to do it through my indwelling Holy Spirit that lives within you. So stop trying to check off all the boxes and try to live your life by a set of rules and regulations which are only going to defeat you and deprive you of this you know, spiritual energy in life and start learning to rely and depend upon the Spirit because it's only through the Spirit that we will have enough energy, enough power, enough strength to be able to live the way God wants us to live. So God's work in us, he wants it to be significant at the heart level. Only something that the Spirit can do is he engraves and carves things into our heart. Secondly, God wants his work in us to be powerful. And that can only come through the Spirit who gives life. Then he goes on to say, oh, and by the way, he wants to do a glorious work in your life. Paul begins in verse 7 of chapter 3 to compare the old covenant with the new covenant. And Paul's saying, as we're going to see here, hey, the old covenant had glory to it. And by the way, what's glory? If you, if you look at these verses, uh, verse 7 down through verse uh, 17, you'll see the word glory used 14 times, or a form of it, 14 times. He talks a lot about glory. What is glory? Glory is the invisible God being made visible. Do you see God? Glory is the impression of the presence of God. And here's what Paul is, in a summary, saying. And then we're going to get into it a little bit more. Paul's saying, the old covenant had a purpose, but the old covenant, even from God's perspective, worked from the outside in, if you will. It went external, then internal. And that's why it was limited into what it could do. The new covenant goes inside out. And that's why Paul is saying, even by using Moses as an example, that the effects or the presence, the impression that Moses had through his interaction with God in seeing God and in, in, in the presence of God was only temporary. It was never permanent. It wasn't something that endured, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Notice what he says in verse 7. If the ministry that produced death, carved in letters on stone tablets, again, the Ten Commandments, the Mosaic Law, came with glory, 
so that the Israelites could not keep their eyes fixed on the face of Moses because of the glory of his face. Man, when Moses came down from the mountain, you remember even God said, take off your shoes, Moses. You're on holy ground. It wasn't that the tablets of the law had glory in them. It was the God who was giving the law had glory in himself. He was manifesting his presence. It was the invisible God made visible. And Moses came into contact with the visible God. He saw God. And there was an effect then on Moses' countenance. Externally, his physical body showed that something was different about Moses. He had been with God. In fact, it was so bright that they say he had to put a veil over his face because it was almost like they would have needed spiritual sunglasses, you know, to be able to like, I can't stand the, you know. But then notice what it goes on to say, verse 7. A glory, an impression, which was made ineffective. Literally, it was going to fade away. And then you'll notice the first of three times Paul uses the phrase, how much more? So in verse 8, how much more glorious will the ministry of the Spirit be? If what Moses engaged with had glory to it, how much more glorious will the ministry of the Spirit be? And that's you and I. That's where we live. We can be engaged with the Spirit of God every day who lives within us. By the way, the word glorious means magnificent or awe-inspiring. Wow, that's the work God wants to do in our life. Something that is magnificent, something that is awe-inspiring, something that causes us to marvel and wonder at God, at what He's doing. Is that the work we're allowing God to do? Or again, are we approaching God the way many do today? God, I, I want my life and I want my church life to be the way I want it. God would say, you're going to miss out on so much. Because you'll settle for the shallow, superficial experience. You'll settle for just, you know, coming by and driving by and driving through with me every so often, every couple days, every couple weeks, every couple months. You'll, you'll just settle for that shallow, superficial experience, right? Oh, you're going to miss out on so much God has. Because God says, if you ask me what I want, I want to do something significant and substantial in your life. I want to do something powerful in your life to where you live every day with the power so beyond yourself through the Spirit. And I want to do something glorious in your life. I, I want to do something that you just stand there every once in a while and you just marvel and wonder and you're just in awe of what God is doing inside of you and through you, through His Spirit. And then Paul says this, verse 9. For if there was glory in the ministry that produced condemnation, how much more does the ministry that produced righteousness excel or increase in glory? For indeed, what had been glorious now in comparison seemingly has no glory because of the tremendous, greater, or transcendent glory of what replaced it. For if what was made ineffective came with glory, notice this, how much more has what remains come in glory? And the word remains is a key word. It means what will always endure, what is permanent. So don't miss what Paul's saying here. If you were to ask God again, 
God, what, what kind of work do you want to do in our church? What kind of work do you want to do in my life? He would say, I want to do a significant, substantial work, Jeff. I want to do a powerful work. I want to unleash my power. I, I, want, to do, I want to do a glorious work. I want to do a work that is so magnificent and all-inspiring, it just makes people's jaws drop. They're rendered speechless. They're at a loss as to even express what's going on. That's the kind of work I want to do. And I want to do an enduring work. Because that's the kind of work God is in. The business of whatever God does, it lasts. It's permanent. That's how you and I even know the things that God does in our life compared to the things we do ourselves or we allow other people to do. If we're doing it ourselves, it won't last. If someone else is doing something in our life, it won't last. But if God does it, it lasts. In fact, even the wisest human being that ever lived, Solomon, said in the book of Ecclesiastes, whatever God does, it will last forever. See, God's not interested in the temporary stuff. That's why he says, what I want to do, I want to carve it and engrave it on your heart so it will last, so it will endure. You and I know those things, if we've been walking with God any length of time, that we know God truly did that because when God did it, I've never been the same in that area. He didn't just bring a temporary change to where I'm always going back and just keep keep encircling and keep going back and repeating things. Of No, when God did it and I allowed God to do it at that level, things changed. You see... And again, we're, we're so used to and so satisfied with settling for the superficial, shallow Christianity that, that we have been, you know, surrounded by for so long that, that we don't even sometimes understand that what God wants to do is something enduring and remaining and permanent. It will last. It's a lasting work that God wants to do. And here's an encouraging thing, too. You could say, well, God did that, that work in my life, but I've sort of just haven't been walking with God very close the last couple of years. And I sort of stopped there. Okay. But here's the thing. If, if God did that work, then it's still there. It's just sort of lying dormant. And you're not going to have to go back and necessarily repeat all that again. God's going to want to bring you back to a point and start over again. But it's going to be from the point that he's brought you to now. You see. Because if that was a work of God, then it lasted. It's there. It just needs to be tapped into. So a significant work, a powerful work, a glorious work, a permanent, enduring work. Let me share with you the rest of this passage. Verse 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we behave with great boldness, fearless courage. 
And not like Moses who used to put a veil over his face, not only to keep the Israelites from seeing it because it was so bright, but then from staring at the result or the end of the glory that again was made ineffective or going to fade away. You notice what the Bible says there? Moses knew that this wouldn't last because it was outside in. It wasn't inside out. He knew that this effect, this impression, this imprint of him being in the presence of God and taking off his shoes because he was on holy ground would not last. So it was going to keep fading. Think of it as like, you know, especially out here in the Valley of the Sun, it would be like, you know, you go out and your skin begins to get the effects of being out in the sun. And unless you and I continue to go out in the sun, then the effects of the sun begin to fade. Just naturally. Because you got to keep going back. And see, that, that was really the old covenant. It wasn't that the old covenant didn't have a purpose and wasn't glorious to a degree, like Paul said, but, but they had to keep going back and repeating. That's why it was like sacrifices, repeated sacrifices over and over and over again because they had to keep going back out into the sun, if you will, and get the effect. Where for you and I, one sacrifice for all time, Holy Spirit, we don't need to keep repeating. We can stay in the Spirit all the time. And we know that it doesn't have to ever fade. Because the Spirit permanently indwells us. So verse 15, notice Paul says, but until this very day, speaking about Jews, whenever Moses, the law is read, a veil, a covering lies over their minds. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. You see, Paul is saying, They're spiritually blind. Their minds are covered. They are living in darkness. But now notice what Paul says. Again, when they are willing to turn to the Lord. And who's the Lord? Verse 17. The Lord here is the Spirit. The Lord is not just God the Father. The Lord is not just God the Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord is also the Holy Spirit. And he says, and where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there is freedom. By the way, very important word to understand what it means. The word present here in the Greek text means welcomed and embraced. The Spirit of God has to be welcomed and embraced by God's people. If not, then guess what? There's no freedom. Freedom what? In this context, this is very important here, folks, because again, context helps us to understand and interpret the Bible properly. It's not freedom to do whatever. It is freedom to be able to see without hindrance God. That's what the freedom is here in this context in 2 Corinthians 3. You can see that here. Notice he goes on to say in verse 18, Therefore we all, What Paul's going to describe isn't just something that's there for the spiritual elite or for certain Christians. He says any Christian who has the Holy Spirit in them, who is the Lord, has the capacity, if they will welcome Him and embrace Him into their life, they will be able to see the Lord without hindrance. They will have the scales come off their eyes or the cataracts removed. Their vision will clear up and they will be able to see God face to face with 2020 spiritual vision. 
Which is why Paul then incredibly says, then therefore we all with unveiled faces, literally reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another, which is coming from the Lord who is the Spirit. My goodness. That verse alone you could preach for a long time. But again, let me just say this. Paul is saying, first of all, to God's people, do you welcome and embrace the Spirit? Because Paul's saying, you understand, if you do not welcome and embrace and connect with the Spirit of God, you will not be able to see God. You will not be able to see God apart from the Spirit. At the end of verse 18, the only way this comes is by the Spirit of God. And that's why so many Christians go, I I can't see God. Because they're trying to see God apart from the Spirit. And it's only through the ministry of the Spirit that we can truly see God without hindrance. With unveiled face. We have that freedom through the Spirit to be able to, in a sense, look God in the face. And why does God allow us that freedom? The final thing God wants to do, look at it in verse 18. It's a transforming work. It's not just a significant work. It's not just a powerful work. It's not just a glorious work. It's not just an enduring work. It's a work that will transform our lives and change us forever. It's the Greek word metamorphoso, where we get our word metamorphosis from. And it means a change that takes place from the inside out not from the outside in. That's the difference with the new covenant. God places, as he said through Jeremiah, I will place my word and my spirit into your very heart. And the changes that I will bring about will be true. They will be lasting. They will be permanent. They will be powerful. They will be significant because I'm going to do it at the heart level and I'm going to work to change you from the inside out. A transformational work. So we can see, I think now, maybe, hopefully, through the Spirit, we can see something. Why can't I change, God? I want to change. I want to be different. God, why aren't they changing? Why can they be in a church? Why, why can they be in a Bible study? Why can they read the Word? Why can they be amongst other Christians? Why can they be part of worship and sing such wonderful songs and, and be in, in praise services and, and go to conferences and, and revivals and, and all these experiences, God, but they never change? Because it's still got to be at the spirit level. There's got to be a welcoming and embracing of the Spirit because it's only by the Spirit that we can see God without veiled faces to the point where we spend enough time with God that He's able to change us from the inside out. And that's the problem with our shallow, superficial Christianity today. Is that we don't, we don't spend enough time or allow God enough time to do the significant, substantial work that God wants to do at that deep of a level. 
For us, it's all about the shallow, the superficial, the drive-by, the drive-through. Hurry up, God. Do what you're going to do and do it quickly. Because I've only got so much time. And God says, well, then I guess things are going to have to stay the same because God's not interested in doing something like that. We have clearly seen the voice of God say to us today, if you want to interview me and you want to ask me what I want to do in your church, in your life, five things. I want to do a significant work. I want to do a powerful work. I want to do a glorious work. I want to do an enduring work. I want to do a transforming work. That's what I want to do. And it all centers around welcoming and embracing the Spirit of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is present, there's freedom. Freedom to be able to see God. Do we see him today? Let's pray. Father, I pray today that through your spirit, each of us here would see you. See you more clearly, see you more accurately than maybe we've ever seen you before. And we know, God, That the work that you want to do and engraving something on our very heart is not something that you can do quickly. It's a progressive work that takes time. But God, you can start something here today. You can be continuing something here today, some great work in our lives. You can be culminating some great work here today. So today, as we, your people, celebrate the Lord's table, and we go back to this table and we partake of the elements that symbolize the broken body of our Lord Jesus and the blood that he shed for us so that we could have fellowship with him at the deepest level, have such intimacy with God and be able to see him. God, may we see you in all of that and more. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In just a moment, you're going to be dismissed. We ask that you just go back, get your elements, the the bread and the cup, and come back to your seat and join us in worship. Or whatever the Spirit of God is leading you to do. But all that I encourage you to do in this moment is take these moments to see God. To see God. And to welcome and embrace the Holy Spirit who is here, who's moving, and who's working.